Hello and good morning. So today, as we come to the part in our service where we open God's word together, we are launching a new series as we look to go through the New Testament book this time of Ephesians. You know, there is so much wisdom and gold in this book that was written by Paul to encourage the early church. And, and actually so much of the Bible is God's inspired word, often written by suffering people for suffering people. And, you know, as I was reflecting on that, in fact, the whole message of the Bible is written right in to the brokenness of humanity. It was written by God as his invitation for us into fullness of life. And on the pages of this book, as we study it, that we see that God never promises us an easy life, but he does promise fullness of life if we follow him and give our lives to him. Maybe you're asking yourself, wait a minute, isn't fullness of life the same as an easy life? Unfortunately, I don't think that's the message that we get as we read this book. You know, there are trials, there are challenges, and and there's even tragedy. But what the Bible reveals to us is a God who walks beside us, who walks with us in the midst of every situation. So what exactly is fullness of life and how do we live that out for ourselves? And maybe we're asking ourselves those kind of questions. And I wonder how many people in our lives around us are asking similar questions. Or, or maybe they phrase it in a different way. Maybe it's questions like, what do I need to do in order to be happy? Or what do I need to do in order to find peace? Or what do I need to do to feel less anxious? Or how do I find hope in the midst of tough and challenging situations? You know, for me as a Christian who is on a journey, I would say that the answer to every one of those questions is found in Jesus. And as we study the Bible, we see this invitation and even instructions on how to live life to the full. That even in the midst of the most challenging circumstances, there are ways that we can thrive and not just survive. And so that's really an introduction to the new series that we're starting as we look at this idea of thriving in the midst of challenging situations. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as we study the book of Ephesians. You know, life is not without challenges. All of us, many of us can testify to that. In the last year, maybe for us or or people we know, we know that people that have suffered loss, uh, there's been uncertainty uh, around jobs, financial stress, anxiety, loneliness. I'm sure we could list a whole bunch of things. This past year has been a tough one. And so where has God been in the midst of all that's happening? How can we, as followers of Jesus, build a foundation of faith that's not purely dependent on our circumstances, but rather faith that is built on the solid rock that is Jesus? Okay, so the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, as we probably know, and effectively he wrote this book in lockdown. Uh, So he was under house arrest, and the only person that he had for company was the Roman soldier that had been left to guard him. And so this letter, although originally written specifically to the church in Ephesus, uh, which is now modern day Turkey, uh, but actually theologians think that this was a, a circular letter that was actually sent to many of the early churches at the time. So actually this isn't thought to be just a letter for the Ephesians, but actually this is thought to be a letter to the church and um, a, a letter to encourage us to live out the fullness of life in Christ. And so we are the church and actually this book is as relevant to us today as it was when Paul wrote it. 
The early church that Paul was writing to was ministering into a deeply pagan culture and society and and the main themes as we look through the book of Ephesians are all around the the nature, uh, the character uh, and the destiny of, of the Christian church. Paul understood that the church was God's instrument for change and he really wants the church, God's people, to understand who they are so that they can be fully equipped to be those agents of change in the world, to truly be able to function as God intended as the body of Christ. I was thinking that perhaps we need to be reminded once again of who we are and whose we are in order that we can thrive and not just survive in the world around us as we seek to live life to the full and to serve God in the fullness of his purposes as we share the hope that we have in him. So why don't we read together Ephesians chapter 1. Maybe you can follow along at home. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints of Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. Amen. So a long chapter there, um, but thanks for sticking with it. And then there's really simply one thing as I read that passage that really stood out for me and that I thought I really wanted to, to focus on and to draw on today. And that is the fact that there is power in an attitude of gratitude. I think we see and even feel this theme of praise and thanksgiving for all God's blessing, you know, dripping out of the, cha- of the first chapter of Ephesians. 
I was thinking when, when I was younger, so my dad was a minister uh, and as the manse children we would often have lots of visitors coming and going from the house uh, and one of our favourites was this lovely elderly old man in the church. I still remember his name, I still remember what he looks like with his big grey jacket and, and the way he would shuffle into our, into our house with his walking stick. Uh, and whenever he came all over, he always brought a plastic bag filled with wine gums uh, and gave it to us. And so whenever we heard that he was coming, we would get excited, we were expectant, we would run to the door to welcome him. And one day he arrived to the house and he, he must have forgotten or not known he was coming and, and he arrived empty handed. And as kids, I think I was about five or something at the time, you know, we were disappointed. And he must have noticed because he then put his hand in his pocket and pulled out a 50 pence piece and gave it to us to go and buy sweets with. And I still remember my bratty response at the time. You know, I was so ungrateful as I took the 50p. Disappointedly, I said to him, well, my gran gives me a pound. And off I went in a half. I can't believe it. You know, this poor, sweet, generous old man. And I'm embarrassed even thinking about it now. You know what? He stopped bringing sweets to our house after that. As children, we were ungrateful. We felt like it, he owed us sweets whenever he came to the house. You know, it was as a result of that bad attitude that he stopped, it, or that we stopped experiencing the blessing of his kindness. Instead of being thankful for a gift that we were given, I went off in a huff because I thought I was entitled to more. Entitlement robs us of experiencing God's goodness and his blessings. And I'm learning more and more that there's something about thankfulness that actually draws us near and draws us closer to God. As we choose to praise, as we choose to give thanks, we draw closer to God. I love the invitation of Psalm 100 verse 4 where it says that we can enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And I think what that passage illustrates is that thankfulness and praise enables us to be able to come into the presence of God, that we can draw closer to him. And actually we have the ability, no matter what the circumstances are, that we can choose to praise, we can choose to give thanks, and as a result we can choose to draw near to God. You know, for Paul, he's writing from a place of trial and suffering as he's locked away on house arrest, but he chooses thankfulness and, and that thankfulness overflows from him. You know, he's not angry at God, he's not ungrateful, but instead he chooses thankfulness. And as a result, we see the anointing of the Spirit come upon him to write these letters to the church. Even under house arrest, God is using this situation powerfully uh, to encourage the church, to bless the church as, as, Paul's, as Paul's thankfulness overflows from him. So all of this that Paul's written today is still relevant for us. And so I want to just unpack a couple of things that, that Paul has shared with us that we have to be thankful for. The first one that he unpacks in this chapter is who we are in Christ. He starts right at the beginning that as followers of Jesus, we have been made new. In verse three, it says that we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It goes on to say that we were chosen, chosen before the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight. You know, that's a great verse to just reflect on that we were chosen before the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight. 
that we've been adopted into God's family, that we are sons of God, and that we've been redeemed through Jesus' death on the cross and that in Christ we've been completely forgiven. Our slates have been completely wiped clean. God no longer sees our mistakes and our sins, but actually he sees us as blameless and holy. You know, these are incredible truths that are still so true today. As we have received Jesus, if we've received the gift of Jesus, then all these things are true for us today. You know, no wonder Paul was thankful. I wonder if sometimes in the church we can feel like we're just operating on the sidelines, that that maybe God loves other Christians more than he loves us because they're better Christians or they're more holy or more successful or more gifted or whatever lie it is that we can often choose to believe. But I love the truth of this section of scripture. The truth is that God knew us before the creation of the world and he chose us. He chose you. You know, you are not an afterthought. You've not just made it in by the skin of your teeth, but actually you have been chosen. You have been designed and you have with, you've been designed with great intentionality and purpose. And so as we remember these truths, that we are holy, that we are blameless before God, that we have been completely forgiven, as we thank him for this incredible gift, we can draw near to him. As we thank him, we can draw near to him. As we come to know more and more truly who we are as sons and daughters, we can grow in confidence as we approach our Father God, our Father in heaven, to hear his voice, to hear his will. You know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, let's not be entitled. Let's not be ungrateful, but let thankfulness draw us deeper into the presence and into life-changing encounters with God. Secondly, the the second thing that I kind of see Paul being thankful for here is the gift of others. In verse 15, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. You know, I love that picture of just this ongoing thankfulness that Paul has uh, in his heart for others, for the church, for the work that the church is doing. You know, all through this chapter, we see Paul talk about we, we the church. Uh, and, And what I see in this passage is that we were never meant to work this thing out in isolation. You know, we are made to do this in community. You know, we're made to encourage each other. And from house arrest, Paul is hearing the stories uh, of what the church is up to, of how they're loving each other, of how they're serving each other. And he celebrates with them. He thanks God. You know, their wins are his wins. He hasn't stopped giving thanks. And, you know, there is such power in thankfulness and encouragement and not in competition and criticism. When we're thankful for each other, it brings this togetherness, doesn't it? It brings this unity that helps us to grow. And that's God's heart for his church, that we would be united together in him. And and, and also there's something about recognising the gifts of God on each other, celebrating them and calling out the more. You know, Paul, as an apostle, he's a spiritual father to the, to the early church and his heart is to encourage them and to see them continue to grow. And so he prays for them. He prays for them regularly. He prays that they would grow and that they would receive more blessings and wisdom and revelation. <clears throat> you know, true fathers want to set up their children to see them thrive and to grow. You know, fathers don't compete against their kids or good fathers shouldn't compete against their kids. They celebrate with them. They call for more. They're cheering them on. I wonder where are our spiritual fathers? 
who are the people in our lives that are thankful for us or cheering us on or calling out the gift of God in our lives? Or maybe we need to start firstly with ourselves. Who are we encouraging? Who are we being like a father or a mother to? Who are we praying for and celebrating their wins? Who are we calling and praying uh, that God would help them grow and thrive in their walk with Jesus? There is a call on our lives to do this thing together, to encourage and to be encouraged. And if you don't feel that you have those kind of relationships right now, then the best thing you can do is start to pray and give thanks uh, and give thanks for the people that God has placed around you. And just ask God to show you who's he giving you a heart for? Who's he asking you to connect with? Who's he asking you to pray for and encourage? And just see what happens. You know, be on the lookout for where connection grows and make the most of those opportunities. God is looking for people that he can trust to be encouragers, to be fathers and mothers in the body of Christ. And lastly, the last thing I just kind of wanted to pick out from this passage today is that Paul is thankful for all we have access to through Christ. You know, Paul prays for the church to know the hope that we have in Jesus, the riches of his glorious inheritance. No matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, the truth is that we always have hope in Jesus. His incomparable great power for us who believe. You know, I love that. You know, the same power it says that raised Jesus from the dead. You know, the prayer of my heart as I read this is, God, I want to know more of your power. I know and I believe that God created us as the church to move powerfully in the gifts of his spirit. And so my prayer for us is, Lord, would you teach us as a church to steward and know your power, like they did in the Old Testament church. God, would you teach us to, to access and grow in these gifts and to have faith. Lord, would you stir our faith to see miracles happen. God, we're so thankful, aren't we, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us. And I believe it's as we thank God for his gifts that we will grow in them. That we don't get angry for, at God when he doesn't do something that we think he should. You know, we're not entitled. You know, God doesn't owe us anything. It's always by grace. But it's as we thank him for what we have. As we worship him, I believe the heart of God is to increase our understanding, to increase our authority, to, uh, our authority to be able to welcome the kingdom of God and to move in power. You know, there's some incredible truths in this passage. And as we remind ourselves, as we meditate on this, as we think about who we are in God, as we thank God for the gift of one another to encourage and to pray together, and as we pursue all that he has given us access to, you know, I just want to pray that God would encourage us this morning. And our prayer for us today is that we would continue to know and to grow in the power of an attitude of gratitude. Why don't we pray together? Thank you, God. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for the incredible truths of this passage. Just thank you for the words that that tell us that we are forgiven, that, that you view us as holy and blameless. Father, for anyone this morning who has not yet received that gift, Lord, I just pray that you would just be stirring hungry hearts this morning. Would you come, Holy Spirit, 
Would you encourage us this morning? God, would you speak afresh about who we are in you? Would you give us boldness and confidence to approach you in attitudes of praise and thanksgiving? God, I pray for new encounters with you as we come into your presence. Father, I pray that you would encourage us, no matter where we're at or what we're going through, that we would know that you are with us. Just come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of each other. Lord, even this morning, would you be placing people on our hearts that you're calling us to encourage and to reach out to, Lord. Help us be obedient to those promptings. And Lord, would you stir in us a hunger for more of you, a hunger to know more of your power at work in our lives. God, stir our faith. We thank you for all the blessings that you have given us. Lord, would you teach us more about who you have made us to be and what we truly have access to. We just thank you for all your goodness this morning. Amen.